Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to want to stick around because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm going to give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful podcast. We have a really special guest with us today. Z's name is TJ. TJ is your very Asian, non-binary, gluten and dairy-free money habits coach, helping Asian American small business owners escape the hustle culture and live their abundant life. TJ is on a track to retire by 40 and wants to show others how strong financial foundations can help them realize their dreams. TJ works with small businesses to put abundance first by better managing their cash flow, slowing down to recognize wins, and building a plan for their money. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I've seen you on social media for a really long time and saw that you've started your own podcast and you're doing a lot in the Asian community. So I'm not sure how many of our listeners are Asian, so I'm not sure if it's your target demographic, but I think you're like the topics you talk about your conversation around money is so different and important. And a lot of people are first generation, second generation immigrants. And I know myself, I'm the first one born in Canada. So it's, it's a conversation that I feel like doesn't get talked about very much, Mm -hmm. especially mixed around the sick and successful thing. So I'm excited to, you know, open the, the conversations others aren't having. (laughs) Yes. Happy to do that. So just to start off, what was it that kind of got you, maybe the word's not brave, but, you know, wanting to start speaking out about all of this? Like what made mm. you break out from the norms and and step into actually being the one to bring this all up? Yeah, there's a few themes there. I would say like just as a personality, I'm a lot more open than most people. And then never mind, like if you layer the Asian American prerogative to be like everything's private you don't share vulnerable things you only share good stuff like when you layer those on top I am a lot more open than those stereotypes are so as I was embarking on my business journey it was a little bit of like learning to do social media and like talking about myself and I kept hearing this voice in my head of like no you shouldn't share that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I had to sit here and this becomes a combination of like not only was it Right. That's not my voice or that's not who I want to be. And the fact that I knew myself as being a lot more open, it became like a privilege that I didn't want to like hide. Right. Or I did, it felt like a shame to not leverage that for other people who have the same questions or going through the same struggles, but just don't know how to find other people like us. Yeah. And so that's both on the money side, partly because my mom modeled for me like great financial habits. And like, these are the things you do as a immigrant to save money. And then on the, like the cultural side, how much we just don't talk about it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it felt like something that we suppressed a lot. We tried I describe it that in Arizona, I sometimes forget that I'm not white. Like I get that much privilege in America as a model minority. And there's a weird nuance in there, especially with the Asian hate stuff going on during the pandemic, where it wasn't getting addressed and 
there was a lot of like talking about the negative outcomes and I wanted to talk about the fun stuff too. Yeah. It reminds me of a story that like, I think back now and I'm like, oh my God, I was so dumb. But one of my best friends is Asian and we've traveled the whole world together. We like literally 20 countries or so. Like we met when going to Israel in university. And I can so vividly remember one time I was visiting her. I think I went to Vancouver to visit her or something. And we're walking down the street and I said something like, oh, the two white girls. And she's like, I'm not white. And I'm like, oh, yes, you are. Like in my head, it's it just like, yeah, you are. Like, we wow. are, you know, and to like she kind of laughed it off because she, you know, I don't know. She didn't bring it up to me. But to this day, I'm like, oh, my God, that number one was so racist. Number two was so rude. And number three, like, I didn't know better. To me, mm. it, like, we were best friends. We were the exact same. We were both, you know, white skin. Yeah. And it's, you do better when you know better. But I, I think it's like a lot of people just day, living their day-to-day -day life are just so ignorant, like I am or was. And it's like amazing to see people like you who are more open and breaking all the stereotypes on on keeping quiet, but then also teaching others and just being brave enough to bring that conversation into into play that like it's important to have the conversations and it's important to respect people. And like, yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's crazy to think about like someone could like I see myself as someone who's really accepting and mm. open to learning. But to say something so stupid is just brings to light what other people well, are saying or thinking. Like, I want to highlight for you, though, right? Like when you said like white skinned, right? That's that's something where. I didn't have a community to talk about this conversation before about how when the person of color or POC phrase came along, I literally Googled and it was like, are Asians people of color, right? Like that's the, the level of magnitude where the conversation about race tends to sideline Asians, especially in America for being the model minority. Like we get a lot mm -hmm. of privileges and I won't deny that at all. Of course. But it gets really confusing because we've made up all these words to try to like be politically correct about it or refer to different segments of people, but they're all just made up. Right. So in your ignorance, like you didn't have somebody to define these terms for you that you're going to say what you think based off of whether or not you felt like you were in the in-group or out-group. Right. Yeah. Like you say, it's made up. But at the same time, it's it's so hard and important at the same time to make sure that everybody feels respected, right? Like your pronouns, We, I, if you're comfortable about talking yes, about it. it. When starting the podcast, I had trouble introducing TJ because I've never heard pronouns Zzer. And I literally Googled it just like you said with Googling um, before. And I was like, how to pronounce? And Google was not a help. No. No. <laughs> so it's, it's like this double-sided like... Yeah, just making sure that we respect everybody, but it's it's an interesting topic. So yes. what kind of feedback have you gotten from other communities and then your own community? And, and how is that going for you with your business? Yeah, so for the podcast specifically, everybody tells me it's so relatable, even if they're not uh, Asian American. We're telling stories about humans and mm -hmm. they are couched in the extremes of what we see as like typical examples for Asians which might be like, this is how a mother-daughter relationship is around dessert or fruit. And like, that is a very Asian thing to say about like the food itself, like as that one example, that specifically, but when you expand out and ignore like whatever the specific food was, then it becomes something everybody's like, oh yeah, that happened to me, but in this context, or it was slightly different. 
And that's what I enjoy about it is we're creating a conversation. It's a community for Asians, but it's also a way to help other people see into what it means to be Asian. Because I always like at, in corporate life, have people come up to me and be like, let me know if this is rude, but and they're just asking questions about my culture. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not rude. You're asking. Like, It's different than assuming. Right. Right. Wow. That's such an interesting topic because there's so many times in my brain, I'm like, I can't ask. I don't want to ask. That's rude. And I think about it with my disability. Is it like, is it rude when someone asks me why I'm in the bathroom for mm. an hour or whatever, or why I had an accident, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's like, no, I wish I want them to. Right. So it's is everybody like that? Does everybody want, or is it just because you're, you and I are open? <laughs> yes, that's, it's a great question. I think, I mean, I always considered myself more approachable. So I think people are a lot more comfortable asking me, but I like want to make the distinction for people. It's ruder to not ask and make an assumption than it is to just ask, right? Like I was just recorded another podcast with a dear friend and she relayed an incident where somebody assumed her religion based off of her skin tone and didn't ask the question just says you xyz because xyz and you're like wait where did this come from right yeah for sure i love that perspective so tell me more about the business side of your business so the money the wealth yes. what do you do there specifically how are you coaching people um, what are you trying to change in, in the world? And yeah, what do you got going on? Absolutely. So my signature offer is my abundance first method, which is really cash flow management where you exercise gratitude and you really think about your business in terms of abundance mindset. So there's a lot of hustle culture out there. And I think um, I'm seeing the community shift away from it, from burnout culture and all of that and really embracing this idea of being grateful for the money they're making or that the money will be there when they need it. And my process is to help them see that, to visualize it, to prove to themselves and build self-trust that they are capable of not only making money, but they're in control of their spending. They know where the money is going at the end of the day. They can pay themselves. They can save for retirement. They can pay their contractors or employees. Those are all very vital. And I have a process to get them there and then just by practicing the process like this is a two-time interaction with me and then from there on it's inner work with yourself you follow mm -hmm. the process and you hit a roadblock and you go why am i feeling this way and you realize oh because i didn't follow up on some invoices that didn't get paid yeah it's crazy how common it is for entrepreneurs i was like this and i've been fixing it since the beginning of december but how blind we are to the finance side of things like i literally have a business degree. I took all the accounting courses Same. and my, oh my gosh, how messy my finances were. Cause I hired a bookkeeper who like, didn't stay in contact with me. I was horrible about giving her stuff. And I came to the end of this year making, you know, way more than I expected being like, Oh, I have to pay taxes. And yes, oh, like what did, where did, oh my gosh. And I started to implement profit first. So like, I've got a bajillion bank accounts that I did not keep in order. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need someone like you. You know, I took a Canadian course to get everything figured out, but in the process of figuring that, you know, seeing, wow, I've been blind to this whole side. Cause it just stresses me out. I had so many conversations with entrepreneurs where they're like, I can't pay my contractors on time. Like I'm in so much debt. I go, the more I make, the more I spend and yeah. I have no idea what's going on. And it's, 
incredibly common. And it's another thing that just like doesn't get talked about in the entrepreneur community. Yes, we, we always talk about when people talk about profit, they talk about revenue, which is the money coming in. They don't talk about the money going out or how typically when you start to scale really, really fast, when you grow super fast, you tend to hire people, you buy new tools you may or may not need. Um, and we, yep. there's a whole industry out there to sell newer entrepreneurs, things they don't need yet. Yep. And that outflow is overwhelming or can get really big when you're not in the habit of looking at your money on a regular basis, or you don't know how to organize it, or you don't know what questions to be asking. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble because you tend to ignore it for a little bit, then it becomes yeah. overwhelming. It gives you anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Like I went from at the beginning of last year, me and two employees or two contractors to 10 people uh, at the wow. end of December. And like from maybe five clients to 35 or something, just like approximates. But right. it got to the point where I've been pretty much in burnout since summertime thinking like, I'm going back to corporate. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This is too hard. Like I don't like my business anymore. And it's mm. all really based in the fact that there was no financial decision making. It was just mm. like, Kate, hey, more clients, more people, more clients, more people. Like, let's get, <laughs> we're good at this. We're good at what we do. And then I took a step back and I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's the, get- are you paying yourself? Like, are you taking time to like make the right investments at the right time? All of those things. Um, it's very easy to just continue to take the messages that are coming at us and go. And yeah. That's why I do what I do. I love it. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about the sick side of things. So you're extremely successful and you help other people with their finances. And I know what you wrote down, but you tell me a little bit on where you resonate with the word sick and kind of how you feel about it. Yeah. So this is like a reframe that I've been doing in, I want to say the past six months or so, the concept of like my mental health. I I always say the exact words, I live with depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. And that's not that I'm like afflicted by it. This is just part of who I am. And it's honestly, it's genetic. So -hmm. there's nothing that I expect to like suddenly come out of depression and never have it again. So when I see conversations about chronic illness communities or being sick, it's something where I'm trying to say, wait, but I know that I'm going to be living with this for the rest of my life. So even though my impression is that traditionally we don't consider mental illness in that category, it really is something that we need to be considering. And it's a factor in two ways, right? Like at its core, that is my primary chronic illness. But for other people who do have chronic illnesses of other natures, they tend to have other mental health impacts as well. A hundred percent. And I do, when I say the word sick, I mean like anything, whatever someone identifies as sick, right? Like mental health also, whatever, it doesn't matter if you're a caregiver for someone who's sick, like that qualifies, I believe, because it's life changing. And I think you nailed it on the head where if you if it is chronic, why isn't that considered an illness, right? Like if you know, you're going to be living with it forever, if illness is the right word, whatever, but you know, you're going to be struggling with something that affects you on a day to day or month to month basis that does need to be addressed and spoken about in the same way. And just like with disability, it's not just someone who has a visible disability, like, I don't know, in a wheelchair, but Mm -hmm. it is other people who are struggling with things that you can't see. And I think mental health really plays into that. And it can be a huge impact on business. And so entrepreneurs need to be able to speak about it. 
how are you managing it? How do you, if you're living with a day-to-day, how does it affect your business and how are you working through it and, and kind of use your tools? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a few ways. So I am on medication and the way my roommate refers to it is it's very functional for me. If I don't take it that day, we're going to have a bad day <laughs> and we might have a bad week just because like it needs to be in my system for a certain amount of time. And how that shows up in my business outside of making sure I take my meds is more around self-awareness of where my mental health wise, and it will show up in my body, right? Like I will have different stressors show up in aches and pains. Uh, And the general advice for people who are, who don't know how to help a friend who has mental illness, treat it like a flu. Mm -hmm. So if you're going through it, right, as as the, the person experiencing it, it's go take a nap. And that's why I build my business so that it can be flexible, that I can rearrange meetings, or at least I own my calendar or I build in my day that I only work so much. So right now I am actually doing a corporate contract. I used to be an IT project manager and this project needed some help urgently. So I agreed to do it. Um, It's 20 hours a week. And I was like, good, that caps me. There's no expectation to be on all the time or be available all the time. And I build out my calendar of like, I hit four hours today, we're done. Because even when I'm not working a corporate gig, the time I spend sitting in front of my computer thinking or working on my business is at most six hours a day. That that is the pace that I personally need and not just from a mental health perspective. I'm also, I follow human design and I'm a projector. Me too. And (laughs) that energy level is not meant to go 40 hours a week. And I mean, that's an artificial number people made up anyway, in terms of work. (laughs) So it's really go with the flow. If I'm excited to work on something, then let's work on it. If I don't have any ideas, my mode is let's go do whatever it is to give myself rest. And maybe that's a nap. I go cuddle the cat. I go hang out with my friends that give me energy and build that into my day. And really like it's, it's inner work to not feel guilty. Mm. about not following the tradition. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what do you do if you're finding that you're kind of slipping into or and maybe if it yeah, into doing that more than you're working, like you're starting to resent work or you're napping all day and maybe only taking 1 hour or 2 hours of work because mm-hmm. I know that can happen yeah. for sure for me. So what is it what are your tools to notice that? So I do actually track my time. I have two layers. I have like an overall work time And then I also have like client billable hours. So I I have those two clocks going and I check in midweek at the end of the week, how much did I work this week? And it's not to like make myself feel guilty if I only work 10 hours on my business that week. That's more of an awareness of like, where am I right now? And Mm -hmm. how long do I think I'm going to feel like this and make arrangements? And some of that is like, I literally just go on to Facebook and say, hey guys, like I you've seen this in the past couple of months. I'm like, I'm in hermit mode. Like you will not be seeing me like answering all of your DMs or commenting on your posts. I'm not really here. I'll come yeah. back when you either ask me to, or if I like suddenly feel like inspired, but that's just like unpicking the expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. And I get to do that because I have strong financial foundations and the, the numbers that have me on track to retire by 40, aren't just like sitting in a retirement account I can't touch. It's my emergency fund. It's my operational business emergency fund that allows me to say, if I need a break, I have the money to cover my fixed expenses on a personal level and on a business level. And that's why it's so important to understand what's going on with your money so you can give yourself permission to do stuff like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can. It's crazy because I've been going through the exact same thing. I wonder if it's a seasonal thing because it's like always and around this time of year that I'm feeling the same way, but it's like getting, it's pulling teeth to get me to work. I am most definitely not showing up anywhere and doing my best to just like manage, right? Well, I mean, I think winter is part of it, right? Like I prefer to be warm. So I'm going to be under a blanket when it's cold. Yeah. It's just having the the money. And when it is a mess, which I have, you know, experienced and you're going through some of the mental health stuff and the projector stuff, and it's this, you know, winter, it is a mess. And there's like no, there's no safety net where, like I was saying, I'm going back to corporate. I can't do this. I don't want to do this, but it's like, I have to, because I need to get my finances figured Mm -hmm. out. And it just adds this whole other layer of doom and gloom, which makes it harder to get out of the cycle. Yes. So I think that's so important that having those fail safes or the, even like the security of finances, but also systems, like you said, your clock and, and the other things that you are aware, self-aware, and so that you're not beating yourself up about it because you know that you need it and you're and you're good and you've taken care of you. Past you has taken care of yes. present you. <laughs> I always say that. I trust past TJ to take care of present TJ and then present yeah. TJ has to take care of future TJ. But I mean, it's, it's not just like the system tools I have. It's also the support network, right? Mm-hmm. That like I get to go to Facebook and say, here's how I'm feeling. These are how you can expect me to show up because first of all, I've set that expectation, but I've also surrounded myself with supportive people who understand what type of business we're trying to build. We're not trying to build a replica of our corporate life where we just make more money. (laughs) Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you. Like, it's very easy to fall into that trap. So if you feel like that's what happened, don't feel bad. That's normal. Um, But that's also what my process is designed to help you get out of too, is to teach you new habits that will help you feel like you're going towards the direction that you want to be in the more like emotional or like spiritual life balance sense. I love that. I love that. How do you address someone, this just popped into my mind, but how do you address someone who comes into your sphere? Maybe it's listening to your podcast or someone talking to your family or or loved ones and bringing in like the old versions or the old thoughts that you grew up with that negative voice in your head that you talked about before. How do you address someone that brings that into your life? Yeah, it it really depends on who they are. Like if it's my family, I've I've posted about this going into the holidays. The the options are either ignore them or just yell at them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will cuz I I ascribe to this philosophy that like they're my family and they have to love me, which some people are like, "Wait, what?" but that's just the I way I subscribe to the same. Yes. <laughs> right? So if and there's a cultural gap there, like there's a generational gap and my parents had me a little bit late. So they're definitely on the older side of the baby boomers. And then they're immigrants to America. So I grew up with different expectations than what they had. So sometimes that's like part of it is their expectation is if it's important to me, I will yell at them like that is how Asians communicate. Right. So. There's no like, oh, yelling is bad. No, that's how you inform them that this is a priority. (laughs) (laughs) So that, I mean, that's for family. For other people, if they're like acquaintances that I don't expect to see them again, I might still ignore them. Like there's a lot of keep the peace types of um, expectations around being Asian. But if they're friends who just like said something that I know isn't aligned with both how I feel, but also how they want to show up. They just haven't realized it yet. Yeah. I do my best to point that out to them. I usually try to give them a reframe of like my um, cousin's youngest kid. She's like eight right now. 
she was listening to her older siblings talk about cotillion and they grow up um, they're in atlanta so they do cotillion and the older boys are complaining about it because cotillion's designed to teach boys how to be polite like let's be honest right? like it's an opportunity for girls to dress up but it's to teach boys how to be polite and <laughs> the boys are complaining and she's like i don't want to go to cotillion do i have to and i was like that's not have to you get to i didn't get to go to cotillion i don't get to have a nice debutante dress or like grow up in an environment where boys automatically know what like is acceptable behavior so <laughs> i just said that and her mom turned to me and was like yes that's good get to right like you just sometimes it's just a word tweak yeah yeah it's so true it's so true and also not letting like you said, just sometimes ignoring it to keep the peace. And it's not so much always to keep the peace with them. It's your inner self, yes, right? If right. You like, don't start a battle. <laughs> yeah. And I can relate to the yelling thing because my family, we're European. And uh, my husband came in from a very Canadian family and he just doesn't get it, right? Like, he's like, I don't understand why there's always yelling. I'm like, nobody's mad. Like, <laughs> no. just, that's how, yeah, I actually, that's I had to explain that too. My grandmother is um, lost hearing in one year and speaks <laughs> Chinese. And my cousins were in town for Christmas. And my dad was like yelling at my grandmother in Chinese, because that's how you get her to understand anything at this point. And they like all kind of tensed up and looked and I was like, grandma's deaf. And at this point, trying to speak English to her means nothing because that's a second language she learned when she was 80. So like, wow. They like, I could see their reaction because, and they're a mixed family that like the, my cousin's wife is white. So like, they didn't grow up with a yelly household. And I just had to be I like, I love it called that. There's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong. We're just trying to talk to grandma. It's so interesting seeing the younger generations coming into these families too. Cause I, I can relate with my cousins where it's like, this is so toxic. Like, I hate this. What is going on here? And it's like, is it? I mean, I guess it is, but also this is just how it is. Yeah, you, there's, <laughs> it's great that we're moving towards a less toxic, toxic expectation, but that's like in isolation outside of family. Mm -hmm. And like, we want to grow up to be the grandparents that don't have toxic environments for their, their offspring, but that's just not reality. And they're too old to change at this point. So I love that perspective. I do. I really love that perspective. Um, what is something that you wish anyone listening knows? Something that you feel like isn't talked about enough or that you wish people would maybe bring into their businesses or to their day-to-day -day lives? I know it's a pretty broad question. Yeah, I would say you're not meant to do it alone. Mm. And if you haven't found that community yet, like I'm hoping that this podcast becomes that community for you, first of all, right? Because you want to be around people who have been through similar experiences. So it might be around how your health is going, or it might have something to do with how you were brought up culturally, it might be location-based. It depends on like what you feel most called to in the moment. And for me right now, that is being Asian American because that's the part of my identity that I'm exploring the most. But like long-term, it's gonna be more of like the queer community or, and I already have a business owner community. Like those are areas where just pick one and yeah. dive deep into it. And if it's not for you, then bounce around and see if you can find another one because that was part of why I started the podcast was I was looking for the Asian American community that I didn't feel like I could get in the Phoenix area. And online is still kind of a weird space where <laughs> it's still kind of toxic. And that's why my podcast is called the Asian Detox Podcast is I want the non-toxic version. So instead of 
finding it, I decided to just build it. Right. Cause, and, and I, I'm always the best version of myself when I have a community who understands, be it the chronic illness, be it the entrepreneur, be it whatever. But that's the same reason I created this podcast, the sick and successful podcast. Cause it's like, for some reason in the entrepreneurial community, it's like, shh, nobody's sick. Nobody's struggling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so I think we're all thing. are like, yeah, they're, they're all struggling behind the scenes, but it's marketing to be like, oh, everything's amazing. Like there's some people who like their business model is to show you how great they're doing so that you can pay them to become like them, but they're not showing you all the bad stuff because that would be, uh, that, that would not be reflective of what they're trying to sell you. Oh, so, so agree. So agree. It's like, I made 300,000 this month. And then you're, it's just like, okay, but did you, and what, how are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean by made? Like, is that because you signed a contract and like how many people are working on this with you? Like they don't tend to say how big their team is. They don't say how much money they have to spend, right? 300,000 for a service job, like a coaching gig. Amazing. 300,000 for like equipment resales. Like that's gone in a flash. Nothing happened there. It's crazy. And as a new entrepreneur, you can get so sucked into like, I need a coach. I need this. I need that. And the money just flows out everywhere where you can find these communities for free, like your podcast, like my podcast, like there's various Facebook groups, even for successful entrepreneurs that aren't big ticket. And that doesn't always have to be, be it, it can be hard to find. Like it, sometimes it just feels super lonely with whatever you're going through. And I, I can acknowledge that a lot of the times going through those things, be it the mental health or or chronic illness, you're not in the mood to be searching for the community. But maybe this is the the situation where past you can take care of. Yes, future. exactly. <laughs> feeling a little bit better to search out those communities because it, it helps so, so much. Like I can see the differences in my business and in my life when I have a good support network of peers. Absolutely. I love that. I love like, that advice. On the human design side too. We I now have a, a projector group where we're like, is this yeah. just like what is happening here? <laughs> because I'm such a lurker in that group. <laughs> boxer, and I'm in there, but I, I don't think I've ever said anything. I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> I have it on a separate phone that I actually need to go find and charge. But yeah, it's it, it's been a great like lifeline for me because I'm in this mode where I'm like, I don't want any extra noise. Mm. So it's so nice to get validation of like, oh, that wasn't designed for you, right? Like this is for the other people. This wasn't for someone who works at your pace or has this kind of energy level. It's so good to see. Like I, something I always got called was lazy, chronic illness and a projector. Mm. And it's such a triggering word for me because it's like, no, I'm not. I can no. get a lot done, but you have to first invite me. And also I have to be feeling okay. And it's yeah. like getting that, like reading the human design chart was like just such a light bulb for me. So if anyone doesn't know what it is, just Google it. Cause there is information out there. Yeah. It's like a five minute thing to go and find your thing and then just go talk to other people who already know a little bit about it. It'll just open your world. Yeah. Up. Or just even look up memes on Instagram. Cause it's just like so validating. <laughs> Instagram has a lot of great resources for yeah. uh, human design and it's it it's absolutely like permission to be who you really are yeah. instead of trying to be someone else. My husband doesn't know the date or the time he was born and there's not really any time to, any way to get it. So we don't know his but I'll, I'm I'm I know he's some type of generator. Yeah. My daughter is a manifester and a Leo and I'm a Leo as well and a projector and it is like she's two 
And I can see it in her already. Like this kid gets what she wants. Like mm. there's no saying no. <laughs> it's so interesting to parent with the idea of like, okay, I know that that's who you are, but also dang kid. Yeah. It's really interesting when you like have a lot of information about both like who they are and who you want them to be in the future, right? Like to be an empowered adult and all of that. Like it <laughs> makes looking at kids a little complicated. But it's also fascinating because you guarantee you have like their birth time versus my parents have no clue when they were born. Like, yeah, that's not. I got lucky because my parents put it in a book and I have the book. So I was like, yes. And it aligns 100%. So that's awesome. Super cool. It's super cool. I feel like we have to have a whole episode about human design. (laughs) (laughs) We might. So what do you have going on in business? So like the red carpet's yours. Where can people find you? Where can they work with you? Yes. Do you only work with Asian Americans? Do you work no. with other people? That's just, that is my ideal client. But no, I work with all small business owners. Um, anybody who is feeling like they want to understand where all the money is coming in and going out and get a handle on their cash flow. So if they're working or they're living check to check, or if they feel like they're on the cusp of growing really big, but they don't have a system for their money yet, those are usually my two prime spots where um, I come in and help and they can find that offer at abundancefirst.com. We will make sure to link it down below. And you have social media? Yes. Handles? So on Instagram, my personal social media is tj.wey. And for the podcast, it is Asian underscore detox. Love it. Love it. And make sure you go check out her podcast because it's really good. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you. And your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah. 